we're going to be talking about today. And I'm going to share with you, I'm going to start um, to see if we can relate to each other um, on some of the doubts that I've wrestled with in my own life. All right? And here's the thing. This can't be an exhaustive list because we'd be here all day into tomorrow, into tomorrow. Um, but this is just some of the big stuff that I've doubted and, and wrestled with in my own life. I've spent time asking and considering and wondering, can I truly be a child of God? Is this, you know, is that legit? Am I really a child of God? Am, am I really forgiven? Am, has God truly cleansed me of all my sin? Does he really see me as that? I've wrestled with the doubts of, does God truly, really love me? I've wrestled with the thoughts of even what I was praying just a little bit ago. I've, I've wrestled with the doubts of, is it really possible that the Spirit of God, the presence of God, truly dwells within this life? I've wrestled with doubts on, can God truly use me? Is it possible, God, that you can really use me? Or have I wasted my opportunity? Or have I missed my chance? Or, or is, is there things that I've done that disqualified me from truly being used by you? Is it even possible for you to find any worth in using this life? I've considered at times when I wrestle with my own struggles with sin or just wounds or whatever it is, and I've asked myself and doubted, can I truly ever be free of this? God, is it even possible for you to, for, am, I, am I truly an overcomer? Can I be an overcomer? Is it possible to be freed from these sins that plague my heart and plague my life? I've even wrestled with these doubts. Is this Christian life even worth it? I'll be honest, I've had those moments where it gets really hard or difficult, and I've sat there and said, is this even worth it? Man, I don't want to be like everybody else. It seems like they have no cares in the world. I mean, I know they do, but I still doubt. Is it, is it worth it? Lord, is the struggle worth it? Is the difficulties worth it? I've even struggled with this doubt. Is all of this even real? I've had those moments. Or is this, even, is this even real, or is this just all some crutch that was created to make us feel better? Is, is, is salvation real? Is heaven real? Are you real? Here's the thing. I've grown up in the church. I've heard about Jesus and God, and, and from the moment I was born. And I've had moments where I'll sit there and like, is this real? Or am I just wasting time? Am I wasting? Now here's the thing. If any of you have never had any of those doubts, man, I am excited for you. But I think if all of us really looked at our lives, those doubts might not linger for very long, but... I think everybody at some point in time in your faith journey are going to have some doubts on some pretty significant stuff. And, and sometimes doubt can be extremely scary. Now, if you look at Scripture and you look at the word doubt and what it means, I mean, it's, it's pretty basic and it's pretty simple. Doubt is to be uncertain. 
That's it. Doubt is uncertainty. Or being unsure of things. Makes perfect sense. That's what doubt is. I don't know. And as I think about doubt, and I think about the times where doubt surfaces in my own life, and in my own heart, and in my own mind, I can see three main areas that kind of help produce doubt in me. Now, there might be others, but these are the main ones. And and just to kind of show you, they might represent the same thing in your life. And it really comes down to this, these three things. Doubt enters into my heart when there's questions that I can't answer. Right? So if if something comes along and and there's, there's questions that I have and there's no clear answer to it, it can make me start considering doubting the truth. It can make, well, if I don't know what the answer is, I can start doubting myself, I can start doubting God, I can start doubting His Word, I can start... Doubt creeps in when I have questions that I can't answer. And we all have them. They usually start with, why? Why is it this way? Why did this happen? Why does it feel like you're not with me? God. Why does it feel like you're silent? This is one of the reasons I love the Psalms so much. Is because you have writers, you have King David many times expressing his, his struggle with moments of questions. How long, Lord, are you going to be silent to me? You can't tell me that guy wasn't struggling with doubt. When he's sitting in a cave and he's been told you're going to be the, the next king. And the king's coming after him, trying to kill him. You can't tell me, David, did did we get this wrong? Because then that leads into the next thing. Because other times is you have questions you can't answer, but then that also you have situations in life that don't seem fair. Or they just don't make sense. Like, like God, I've I've been serving you. I've been trying to seek after you. But Lord, now all of a sudden I have this sickness. Why am I sick, God? Why, Why are you letting this happen to me? I don't understand the situation. Lord, why are you making me struggle through these things? We can look at the, it's not even just individuals. You can look at the world and be like, God, I don't understand this. Why, why are people suffering the way that they are? Why, why does it seem like the evil people get their way all the time? And, and as Christians, we're struggling So we look at situations around us and they can cause us to have moments of doubt. Did we miss something? Did did we overlook something God said? This doesn't make sense to me. Why are you making me struggle? Why are you making it so hard? Why are you making everything so difficult? I thought you loved me. That's where doubt starts coming in. I I thought you loved me. Why do I have to go through this? And then the third one kind of comes down to that, that wounds or pains that that we just can't resolve. God, why did you make me go through that? Like, what was the purpose behind this, Lord? I don't, and it all, they all feed together because the wounds make us have questions and there's no, if we don't have clear answers to those questions, we wrestle with it. Like, Lord, I can't resolve this pain that's in me. I can't resolve your thinking and your intentions behind this. And and, and here's what I want to say just real quick, because as we go through this, please understand, I am at no point in time going to say, like, we should embrace doubt. Doubt is not where God wants us, ever, okay? But but here's the thing, (laughs) and I'm guilty of this, right? 
Um, and, and I'm just going to say this, and, and please understand, I know we mean well when we do it, but I've had moments in my life where I'm in doubt, right? And I'm expressing my doubts. And good-meaning Christians, and I, I truly believe that, good-meaning Christians will g- try to give me an answer. And this is what the answer normally is. His ways are not our ways. They start, they, they quote, we, we tell scripture. Don't be wrong, it's the truth, and I get it. But are you like me? And sometimes it doesn't fit very, it's like, I don't want to hear that. Right? His thoughts are above our thoughts. I don't really feel good when you're in the middle of the doubt. I'm not saying it's not true. But what I'm saying is sometimes the way we approach doubt actually is worse Sometimes in the doubt, because it just it frustrates us even more. So when we have wounds in our lives, we hear, we hear people try to lovingly tell us, well, God had a plan and a purpose behind it. Well, that doesn't really help when you're in the middle of the wound. And you're in the middle of the, sometimes you just need to express the doubt. So here's the thing this morning. This, this morning, here we're talking about toxic thoughts. What I'm going to talk about this morning is not how do we remove doubt from our life, right? That would be great, right? If I could sit here and say, hey, this is exactly how we're going to get rid of doubt. That, that's not the, I don't believe that doubt is necessarily the toxic thought. The toxic thought is how we approach doubt in our lives. Right? Because here's what I believe, and as I've, as I've thought about this, and I've prayed about this, and I've considered my own struggles with doubt... God is able to take our doubts and use them as the catalyst to get you to your greatest purposes. See, we want God to just remove the doubt. But God says, listen, I can use that doubt, and I'm going to propel you into a greater level of faith if you approach it the right way. See, the toxic thought is how we approach doubt, not necessarily the doubt. Okay, so again, understand that God doesn't make us have doubts, but he can use doubts to do amazing things in our lives. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, is we're going to look at some examples from Scripture, and we're going to see how doubt is in the lives of some of the greatest people of faith, but also how God uses that doubt to propel them into an amazing level of faith that they never had before. One of the things I want us to understand as we go through this is, This is one of those toxic thoughts. Sometimes we think that if we have doubts, that means we don't have faith. Can I tell you that faith or or doubt is not the absence of faith? It's not. See, there's no such thing as perfect faith. There's no such thing as perfect faith. Because faith is not a destination, it's a journey. Right? You're never going to graduate into perfect faith. And and I'm going to say this, and and please, and and I'll I'll show it from Scripture here in a little bit. And and, and if if this kind of stings a little bit, or if you want to disagree with me, that's fine. You can later on. But I really am suspect of any person that ever comes to me and says they never doubt. Like, if I ever have a Christian come to me and say, I never doubt. I'm sorry. I have a hard time with that. I I have a real hard time with that. And, and, and we'll see that from Scripture, because there are some people in Scripture that if they had doubts, man. Because again, faith is a journey. 
There are moments where God, my faith is strong, and God brings me to a moment in this journey where all of a sudden he has me in a place where my faith either needs to grow with him and where he's taking me, or it's going to shrink back, and that's that moment of doubt. I come to the moment of, okay, my faith has taken me this far, but Lord, you've got to extend my faith to get me to the next level. Because this is a journey, not a destination. So realize, don't beat yourself up when you have doubts. It's not an absence of faith. But this is some of the, the toxic ways that I think we approach doubt. This is how I approach doubt. Okay, this is the toxic ways I do. So again, if this pertains to you, great. But this is me kind of processing you through my own struggles and, and, and God working through me. When I have doubts, especially when it comes to God and my faith and salvation and all those things, when those doubts come and, and how he can use me or what he wants from me or all those things, the first thing that comes into mind is I start having the thought, there must be something wrong with me. It's the first thing. As soon as I have doubts in anything, as soon as I start questioning faith, as soon as I start questioning God, as soon as I start questioning my purpose, whatever it is, the first thing that pops in my head is that guilty, there's something wrong with you. Your faith is weak your faith, there's, like your faith is broken. It's the first thing that pops in my head. Why should I doubt? My faith must be broken. My faith must be weak. My faith must be, I've even had the moments where I was like, is my faith even false? Do I truly have faith in those moments of doubt? And with that feeling that there's something wrong with me, then comes the shame, the guilt, confusion, and frustration that comes with doubt, right? That, that's the next thing. It's like all of a sudden all joy gets sucked out because I'm doubting the things that should give me the, the purpose of life. But now instead I feel shame and I feel guilt and I get confused and I have frustration because now I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, well, there's something wrong with me. Lord, if, if, if there wasn't something wrong with me, I would never doubt you. If there wasn't something wrong with me, I would never question your word. I would never question what you want. So obviously there's something broken with me. And then here's the final thing that happens when I start having that shame and that guilt and that confusion and that frustration. I isolate myself in my doubt. And what I mean by that is how often do you ever have Christians, like especially think about this, long-term Christians... And when I say long-term, I'm saying just people that have been in the church for a while that, that you feel like people look at you a certain way or they see you a certain way. How often do you hear a long-term Christian come out and say, listen, I'm struggling to even believe I'm a, I'm a child of God. I mean, how often do your Christians get honest about our doubts? How often do we come and say, man, I am struggling to understand what God's intention is here, and I truly am wondering, does he even love me? Does he even care about me? Has he even forgiven me? What about a Christian that comes and is really struggling with something and says, you know what, I'm to the point that my doubt is to the point where I'm questioning whether it's even worth continuing to follow him. You don't hear that because we isolate ourselves in our doubt. Because we've, we've been taught to think that a good Christian shouldn't doubt. That's what we get taught. If you're a strong Christian, if you're a growing Christian, if you're a true Christian, you should never doubt. That's what we get taught. 
So what happens is, is we end up being in community with one another and we never actually express our doubts to one another. Because we feel like there's something wrong with us if we question God. There's something wrong with us if we question His motives. There's something wrong with us if we question what He's doing. There's just something wrong with us. So we isolate ourselves. And what happens is you have many Christians that struggle in their Christianity. Not because they don't want to grow, but they just succumb to the overwhelming sense of doubt that they have. And they have no avenue to express it. It's unfortunate. Because within the church community, what ends up happening, at least in my experience, is what ends up happening is we, this is how we treat doubt. Because there's something wrong with me and I can't express it and I have to isolate it. And because of the guilt and the shame and the confusion and the frustration I feel, we end up doing one of, of a few things. First, we just try to ignore it. Right? Life on, life's on as usual. Just keep marching along. Push forward, right? Just push forward. But the doubt, the doubt never gets resolved. The doubt is always lingering. But let's just ignore it. Let's just pretend it's not there. Push on. Or, or we just try to dismiss it. We dismiss it with cliche answers, right? Like, well, just don't question God. Or, or uh, this is one of my favorites. You, you know, when you have people that... Um, and again, I'm guilty of saying this to people. It, it's, they're struggling, and, and, and they're like, I don't understand what God's doing. So we say, well, you just got to have more faith. You, you just got to have more faith. Can I tell you, that's a bunch of bull crap. Because Jesus says, I only need faith the size of a mustard seed to do some amazing things. It's not an issue of more faith. But doesn't that just bug you when you hear that? When somebody comes to you and just like, just have more faith. And you're like, I'm struggling already. That does not help. It doesn't help at all. But we just try to dismiss it. Oh, it'll go away. It'll get better. But the doubt just continues to grow and infest us. And it spreads. And before you know it, we're just overcome by multiple levels of doubt. And unfortunately... In my past, I have had moments where people have actually been condemned because of their doubt. In churches. Express your doubt or or share your doubt and Christians have actually condemned them. Questioned their faith in the first place. Questioned their resolve or their love of Jesus. Questioned their devotion. How dare you doubt God? One of the things that's interesting that I, I came across is uh, Barna, who does a lot of research with the churches. With churches, Barna found that there are six top reasons why young people are leaving the church today. These are the, the, you know, the top six reasons. One of the six, and he didn't rank them in number one, two, in the sense this is the first one, the second one, but out of the top six, this is one of the top six, young people look at the church as being unfriendly to doubters. Right? Young people look at the church as a place where I can't express my doubt. I can't ask my questions. And one of the reasons I think that we respond that way as Christians, where we don't want to hear people's questions about what they're struggling with, is because it hits sometimes close to home that we might have the same question. 
right? I don't want to hear that you're struggling to believe in the existence of God if there's a part of me somewhere deep inside me that sometimes has the same question because I want to ignore it and I want to dismiss it. See, the safest place in the world where a person should be able to express their doubt is inside this place. I mean, hear that for a second. The safest place in the world a person should be able to express their doubt, their questions, their struggle, should be inside this place. So I want to take a moment for us to consider rethinking how we approach doubt. Because unfortunately, we, we, we try to avoid it. We, like again, we ignore it, we dismiss it. But I think if we face it the way God wants us to face it, God will do amazing things with it. Again, doubt can be used by God as the catalyst to bring you into your greatest purposes if you let him do the work with it that he wants to do. So here's the first thing I want us to understand about doubt. And I know we all know this, but at the same time, in the midst of our doubts, I think we can fall into the trap of thinking we're, we're like, I'm the only one. But here's the first thing I want you to know. You're not alone in your doubts. Ever. You're never alone in your doubts. And, and here's the beautiful thing. I want to show you from two examples from Scripture that give me a lot of joy. Now, that sounds bad because I'm actually joyful at the struggle of somebody else. Right? You ever have that moment where you're like happy that somebody else is struggling? That sounds really bad, but you know it, because then you're like, oh, I'm not the only one. That's awesome, right? Here's the first one. Did you all know that John the Baptist actually doubted? John the Baptist. Here's John the Baptist that, that is the one that proclaimed the coming of Jesus. He is the one that announced There is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist that baptized Jesus. The voice of one calling in the desert actually doubted. See, what happens is is John proclaims his ministry and then Jesus comes and John gets arrested. And John's sitting in prison. And he's hearing things about Jesus' ministry. And he's hearing things about what's going on outside. And scripture tells us when the men came, like John sent some disciples, and when those disciples says, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John, the Baptist sent us to you, and he wants us to ask, are are you the one who is coming, or should we expect someone else? You you see what John's asking there, right? Like, I announced that you were the son of God, you were the the lamb of the the world. Is it really you, or was I wrong? Like, the guy that proclaimed Jesus on the scene is now asking, are you really the guy? I don't, I don't know if you're the guy. I'm doubting whether you're the guy. It makes me feel good to know that John the Baptist had doubts. It's like, man, maybe I'm not as messed up as I think I am. This is John the Baptist, for goodness sakes. And he has doubts. The one that's even more comforting to me than that is the fact that the disciples doubted. 
right? So, so we all, you know, Matthew 28 ends with the, the Great Commission, this, this moment where, where God, you know, Jesus says, go ye into all the world and, and proclaim and teach and baptize, and, and I am with you always to the end of the age. But what's funny is a lot of Christians probably don't know what's said right before he gives the Great Commission. So then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Let that sink in for a moment. Let it sink in for a moment. This is the eleven disciples. These are the guys that have been with Jesus for three years. These are the guys that have seen Jesus do all the miracles. These are the guys that saw Jesus crucified, and these are the guys that seen Jesus resurrected. These are the guys that are about ready to watch Jesus ascend into heaven, and he gives them the Great Commission. And some of them doubted. That makes me feel great. If these 11 men, if some of these 11 men could experience, and, and don't succumb to this, because some of you that know the Bible will be like, yeah, they're probably talking about Thomas. That darn Thomas. Thomas has been dealt with already. This is not about Thomas. The interaction with Thomas has already taken place. This is after that. And still, some of them had doubts. I don't know what their doubts were in, but it was significant enough that they expressed it. Some of them doubted. Again, that makes me feel amazing to know that if the 11 disciples can doubt, man, I can let myself off the hook a little bit when I doubt. Think about what they experienced and they still struggled with doubt. So again, you're not alone in your doubts. The enemy wants you to think you are. The enemy wants you to think you're the only one that thinks these thoughts. The enemy wants you to think you're the only one that struggles with whether God loves you, whether God's forgiven you, whether God can use you, whether this is worth it. He wants you to think that, that you're the only one, but you're not. Even the disciples had doubts. But let's take a look at the most famous doubter in the Bible, and of course we know that's Thomas. Unfortunately, the poor guy has a name for all eternity that goes with that. And I'm here to tell you I think Thomas is getting a, he's getting a bum rap that, with that. I think it's unfortunate that we've given him that name. Because Thomas was not a coward by any sense of the imagination. Thomas was not someone looking for a way to... Uh, get out of being a follower of Jesus. I mean, we think that Thomas, there was something wrong with his faith. Thomas is actually the one that when Jesus said, hey, I'm going up to Jerusalem, Thomas is the one that stood up and said, let's go with him because if he dies, let's die with him. I mean, Thomas was not a person with, without faith in Jesus. Thomas was like, I'm willing, let's go die. I, I, I will die with you. But this is the interaction between Thomas and Jesus. So, now Thomas, also called Didymus. So this is after Jesus appeared to the other disciples. Thomas wasn't there. It says, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where his nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. 
Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And yet have believed. Here's the thing. When you have doubts, what can we learn from Thomas? When we have doubts, when we're struggling with doubts, when it comes to our faith or or Christianity or God or whatever it is, notice something that's very interesting about Thomas here. Thomas was not there the first time that Jesus appeared, right? So that's what we're told. Thomas shows up and they say, hey, he's risen. We saw him. Here's the thing that's interesting about language, just kind of studying in this a little bit. The way the language is written here, this is basically like, let me give you the best example. You remember when you have your kids in the car and they just annoyingly say the same thing over and over and over again? Like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? You know, mom, 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 you know. We understand this, right? That's what this is kind of representing. The the language is almost like they, they won't stop saying it. Like, they're constantly telling Thomas, he was here, he was here, he was here, he was here. You know, like, over and over and over and over and over. And they're just repeating it over and over and over again. And and this is where Thomas makes his, you know, the famous statement of like, unless I see it for myself, I won't believe it. And and this is where I think Thomas is getting a bad rap. Because we, we look at this as like, well, what's that guy's problem? Why didn't he believe him? I mean, they're telling him. Listen, if I would have been Thomas... I would have said the same thing. Because you do realize the only reason those other guys were believing is because they got to see it. Right? Don't make them out to be some greater faith. Like, they had so awesome faith. They got to see it. They already saw the handprints they, or the, the nail marks. They already saw the side. They got to see it. And all Thomas was saying is, I won't believe it until I experience the same thing you experienced. That's not irrational. But here's what I love. When you're having moments of doubt, notice what Thomas did. This is, this is one of the things where you, you skip over in Scripture. Wait, you, look at that. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Here's the point. Thomas kept showing up, even in the middle of his doubt. Thomas kept showing up, even in the middle of his doubt. For an entire week, he had to listen to them. We've seen him, we've seen him, we've seen him, we've seen him. I mean, could you imagine the, the mixture of emotion that Thomas had to be going through with his doubt? Like, he'd have those moments. I was just thinking about this. Like, if it was me, and, and you're, there would be moments like, oh, I want to believe. Oh, but I can't. And then I'd get frustrated, and I'd get angry, and I'd get tired. I mean, I wonder how many times he told Peter to shut up. I mean, I really wonder. Like, I would have. I'm like, shut up, dude. I heard you the first 500 times. I get it. He's resurrected. You know? For an entire week, Thomas had to set in his doubt. For an entire week, Thomas had to wrestle with, I hope it's true, but I can't believe it's true. I want it to be true, but I don't know if it can be true. I saw him die. Thomas, for an entire week, weak wrestled with this doubt but Thomas kept showing up 
right? Thomas didn't turn his back on it. Thomas kept showing up. Thomas kept seeking. Thomas kept coming around because he wasn't going to give up because he was questioning whether it's possible that Jesus was truly alive. Thomas was still there. Here's the problem. The enemy wants to use your doubt to have you turn your back on God. God wants to use your doubt to have you turn towards him. And that's why Thomas kept showing up. Here's the thing. If you are a person that's struggling with doubt right now, or whenever you might struggle with doubt, my encouragement to you is don't stop showing up. Keep putting yourself in the places where God can speak to you. Don't let your Bible just sit there and not be open because of your doubts. Get into it. Seek truth from Him. Don't stop coming around to church and to Christians or small groups or the people that are going to encourage you or even challenge you in your faith. Keep showing up. See, the worst thing that happens is when our doubts overcome us, that we isolate Because we feel like our faith has been disqualified. Don't feel like your faith has been disqualified in the middle of doubt. Keep showing up. It is not wrong to ask questions. It is not wrong to seek answers. It is not wrong to tell God, I don't get it. But the point is, is we have to keep seeking truth. Keep showing up right don't allow your doubts to push you away from God allow God to draw you closer to himself here's the other thing that I see about Thomas that I thought was amazing is is and helps me with my own doubts is as I keep showing up I'm showing up for one specific purpose because I want to I want to pursue an encounter with Jesus right that's what I need in the midst of my doubts is I need to encounter and have an actual encounter with Jesus. Here's the thing I I want us to, to understand, and I have to remind myself of this. God is not angry at you when you doubt. I don't know if anybody else struggles with that, but I do. When I start doubting God, the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh, he's angry with me again. He's like, really, David, do we have to go through this again? And I feel like he looks at me with shame and, and d- d- just disappointment, just shaking his head. And I think we read the Bible sometimes that way. Some of us might even read the story of, of Thomas and think that Jesus is coming down on him. I don't think Jesus is coming down on Thomas at all because here's the thing that's amazing. God's not angry about our doubts. He wasn't angry at Thomas because here's the thing. Because Thomas was willing to keep showing up, Jesus showed up. Jesus wasn't angry at Thomas. Jesus was willing to come and meet Thomas in his doubts. That's the same thing God wants to do with you and I when we have our own doubts. He wants to let us have an encounter with him. He wants to show up. He wants to meet you in your doubts. But the issue is, is when we isolate ourselves from him and we don't keep showing up, We don't put ourselves in the places that he wants us to be able to do that. Here's the thing. Our doubts, when we struggle with doubt, I want you to realize that your doubts, those moments when you have them, provide an amazing opportunity 
for you to come to know Jesus in a way that you've never known him before. Right? In, in the middle of that doubt, I am in a position where I can encounter Jesus and come to know him in a way that I never have before. That's what happened with Thomas. Thomas had only experienced Jesus before his death. But because of his doubts, this moment he got to experience Jesus as the risen King and Savior. The risen Lord. This is why Thomas screams out, My Lord and my God. All of a sudden, Jesus had come to a new level to Thomas. Through his doubt, he cries out, My Lord and my God. So I was thinking, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, when you look at moments of, of, of doubt, or if I look at moments in my own life of doubt, and if I really process it, I can see that the thing that I'm, I'm wrestling with is usually when God shows up through it, it, it it's when... Um, he reveals himself in a way that I know him, I know about him, but for the first time I know him that way. So like an example is, um, let's say, you, you know, you're going through a horrible time and financially. So you're wrestling with doubts of like, okay, God, do you care about me? Do you love me? Are you here? Like, I don't know how we're going to pay for this. I don't know how we're going to take care of this, right? And you wrestle with those doubts and you express those doubts to God. And then when God shows up, when Jesus shows up, when you have an encounter with Jesus, all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're faith is built up with, yes, God is my provider. I see him as that now. I know him as my provider. Right? Or, or if something in your life gets you to the point of like, you just feel weak and you're broken and you can't do it anymore and you're just like, I want to give up. I just want to stop. I, I don't have any more to give. Whether it's sickness or, or just stress or whatever it is, it just comes upon you and you have doubts. God, are you with me? Are you for me? God, God, I, I can't, I'm, I'm doubting whether you even, are you even, is all of this even worth it, right? All these doubts that I've wrestled with. And then when God shows up, when Jesus shows up, then my faith, I've encountered Jesus and I can say, Jesus is my strength. Jesus is my comfort. Jesus is my hope. Every time a doubt has crept into my life and I've sought after him, and it doesn't come all the time right away. That's the unfortunate thing. Sometimes he waits, and I don't know why, but still, that's what he decides to do. But when he shows up, I come to see Jesus in a new way that I didn't see him before. See, see the issue I think that, that a lot of us have, or at least I have, is we hear how God interacts with other people. Right? We can, and we should. Share your testimony. Share your stories. Encourage one another with how God has shown up in your life. But there's a difference between me hearing what God has done for you and me experiencing God doing it for me. And that's what we need. We need to hear the encouragement from one another of God has shown up in my life. And then in my doubt, I cry out and say, God, that's what I need. I need to know that from you. Lord, I need to know you're my strength. You're my redeemer. You're my hope my comfort, my peace, whatever it is, fill in the blank, I need to know that for myself. I don't want to live through the faith of somebody else. I want to know it for me. That's all Thomas was saying. 
You do realize that, right? That's all Thomas was saying. Great, guys. You experienced it. I want to experience it for me. I, I don't, there's nothing wrong with saying that. I can't live off of your faith. I have to experience it for me. So we pursue an encounter with Jesus where we say, Lord, I know you've done it to all these other people. I've heard your stories. I've heard how you've met them and how you've worked in other people's lives. But Lord, in my doubt, I need you to do it for me. I need to experience it for me. There's nothing wrong in doubt to say that. Because remember, your faith is a journey. It's not a destination. There are going to come times when God leads you to a place where he needs to show you himself to be able to motivate you and get you to where you are, to where he wants you. And that's when we seek an encounter with Jesus. We need to start asking Jesus, Jesus, I just need you to show up. And here's the last thing I just, I love about Thomas, right? In your doubts, I, I want to encourage everybody, don't believe your doubts are constant. Man, God will show up. If you seek him, I am promising you, God will show up. God will show up. He will meet you in your doubt if you're willing to let him, if you're willing to keep showing up. And when he does, man, proclaim your faith. Man, when Jesus shows up in your doubts, this is why we need to start being more open about our doubts. This is why we need to stop hiding our doubts. We need to start actually expressing to one another that when we're in a season of doubt, we, we're open and honest about it. Because then when God shows up and God encourages our faith, man, we can turn around and proclaim it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of times we're not proclaiming our faith because we never told anybody we were struggling in the first place. But man, if we were open and honest with our struggles, and then when God shows up, we can cry out the same way that Thomas did, my Lord and my God. Man, let me tell you about what my Jesus did. Remember, doubt is something that is attempting to make you fall. But man, God can use it to strengthen your faith in a way that you never thought possible. And when he does, give him glory. Tell people announce it. I, I actually was reading this, when I was reading this story this week, I really kind of wondered, I, I wondered if Thomas even, and I, don't, I can't prove this, I don't know it, but it made me wonder if Thomas went to Matthew and said, include this story in your gospel. Like, I wonder if Thomas was the one that's like, I want my story told. I want you to tell people how I doubted. I want you to tell people how Jesus showed up. Because I want him to get glory because he met me in my doubts. This is what I love about Thomas. All the disciples except for one, but John had a hard life. Thomas was so full of faith after experiencing the risen Lord. Thomas spent the rest of his life proclaiming Jesus. And church tradition tells us that he went all the way to India where Thomas was martyred by having a, a spear stabbed through his stomach for Jesus. Man, Jesus took a man that doubted and turned him into an amazing, amazing messenger of the faith that gave his life to proclaim it. Man, imagine what God could do through your life as he brings you from doubt to belief and you go out and proclaim it. Imagine what God could do through your doubts and the struggles that you have gone through and the glory that he could get through your life when we choose to proclaim it. 
And I don't know, again, where anybody's at this morning, but I just want to close with this. Just a simple last thought. Man, if, if you're struggling with doubts or, you, you know, whatever it is, if there's just anything in you that just makes you feel distant from God and you're just questioning, you just got a lot of questions and you're wondering, what's the deal, God? What are you doing? Why? Can I encourage you with the fact that Jesus wants to show up? He's not leaving you floundering out there without a purpose or a reason. He wants to meet you in your doubt. He wants to strengthen you, and He wants to encourage you, and He wants to build your faith. Don't allow your doubts to make you feel like you're broken and messy and worthless and that Satan try to isolate you. But instead, allow your doubts to be seen as what they are, and that is God choosing to use them to bring you to your even greater purpose in Him. Don't allow your doubts to push you away. Allow your doubts to push you closer. Because then you're going to have a wonderful testimony when He shows up. Father God, I just pray that you just be with us as we go here today. Lord, we live in a, and we all know it, we, we live in a, we live in a messy, messy, broken world. Lord, and I, I'm a, you told us, Jesus, it's going to be hard. You did not hide that fact. It's going to be hard. And there's, there's so many times we can look out at everything and just ask, man, are you even in control, God? Where are you? What is going on? But I love the fact that you are so big that you can handle my questions. But I, I love that. I love that you are so big that you can handle the questions that I bring to you, Lord. You can bring, you can handle any of the doubts that ever come into my heart. I can lay them before you and say, Lord, you're big enough that I can just lay them on you. And I love the fact that you have such mercy for us, such love, that you're not angry, you're not annoyed, you're not judge, judgmental, Lord, because you want to meet, you want to build our faith in you. You want to meet with us. You want to encourage us. You want to build us up. You want to use us. You want to bring glory to yourself, Lord. So I pray that as we leave this place, that we bring, your, bring our doubts to you, Lord. We just lay them before you. And we continue to show up. And we continue to seek after you. Because, Lord, that's, that's, again, that's what's going to change it. An encounter with the risen Lord. So, Lord, I pray strength upon us. I pray comfort and peace. I pray the Spirit of God to descend into each of our lives, Lord, wherever we're at, whatever. If anyone struggles with anything this morning, I pray that there be just that manifestation of your presence upon them. Your Spirit will engulf us today. And you will bring glory to yourself and that we will have the testimony that we can proclaim to the rest of the church and the world on how awesome you are. Lord, let us know you the way you want us to know you. Let us see you the way you want us to see you. And again, bring glory to yourself and us always. We give you praise and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.